0: things do not unfold tidily in the sink in the wake of the verdict. There are a number of incidents where Morgan stops to interrupt uh, moments of violence, but they're not as neat as he would like them to be. For instance, in the first case, he's near a gym and he overhears a group of what turn out to be male trainers and clients arguing with the owner of the gym. And one of the trainers is like, gotta respect our rights, Bob. We got got a right to go up there and be up there. They're they're persecuting these guys, man. They're guys like us. One of those guys, he's my client. We gotta go up there, man. We gotta do something. We gotta stand up for their rights. You gotta let us. He's like, I don't have to do shit. You can't just walk out of work in the middle of the fucking day. Are you out of your damn mind? He's like, go on and go then. You're fired. And he put gestures to the rest. He's like, you're all fired. One of the clients is like, "Hey, Bob, come on, man. The city's crazy right now. These these technocrats blackmailed the shit out of everybody. That's the only reason they won the office. Now they're gonna turn around and prosecute everybody from the Strong American Men Party they can get their hands on. It's ridiculous. I think you could, I think you ought to let these guys go. You can't threaten their jobs for that." He's like, "I can do whatever I want. I own this business. If you don't want to come back, don't come back. Get the fuck out of here." So a bunch of those guys, there's a group of about 12, and, you know, nine of them huff off. They're like, fuck you, we're going to City Hall, we're not going to put up with this. Like, those technocrats are going to find out what's coming to them, you know, when there's, you know, when there's hundreds of us there, blah, blah, blah um they're like this technocrat government blah 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 and they they stomp off but the the three guys who are left continue to argue with the owner and while while one of them one of his trainers is arguing with him trying to be reasonable One of the clients pushes past. You can, or Morgan can see him go back into the gym, and he goes over to one of the weight machines and starts rocking it back and forth. And the owner is like, "What are you? What the?" He turns around, and the guy has succeeded partly by injuring himself, but he's pushed over one of the weight machines and he hauls himself back up unsteadily and goes over to another one. And you can hear him, Morgan can hear him yelling from in there. What's with using all this technology to lift weights? Why don't you just fucking lift some weights like a real man? Free weights. No need to have all this technology in here. So the owner runs back in. This is when a fight ensues. Morgan is able to intervene in a timely way and prevent anybody from getting badly injured. The one guy who's been knocking machines over, he just locks him up, puts him in a in a hold, and, and lets him go to sleep. Uh, he remonstrates with the guy's friends, and they're like, all right, all right, all right, we'll just get him out of here. We're not going to do anything else. He's only damaged a little bit of this guy's property, but the business at his gym is going to be really bad for a long time now. And there are other incidents like this. Even moving as quickly as he can, Morgan finds himself having to sort of split his attention between groups of men heading toward—it's not City Hall. I said City Hall earlier, but it's actually the courthouse. Um... He has to divide his attention between groups of angry young men heading for the courthouse to sort of join this spontaneous rally that they imagine is happening and uh, other slightly smaller groups who are sticking around where they are to cause trouble, who are just like venting their anger then and there. So he has four or five encounters with groups of angry young men, some of whom are explicitly aligning themselves with the Strong American Men Party, others of whom are just like, yo, this this government's going too far. They can't just bust on people for uh, saying what they believe. So he's picking up this idea that a lot of people think the Sink 7 have been uh, basically sentenced to jail time for some sort of political demonstration. Um, that is not how the incident was covered in the River City Revel. So he's starting to wonder where this perception comes from. Maybe Johnny Jack on the Berg portrayed it that way, or maybe these are people who get their news elsewhere from some website or through social media or whatever. But there's a sort of alternative narrative out there about what happened. In fact, he overhears at one point some reference to the technocrats' tame superhero or the technocrats' uh, masked enforcer or whatever. Somebody somewhere has written about or spoken about him as if he were already on the TPP's payroll and had showed up to like bust up the Sync 7 as their instrument. So somebody out there is slandering him. So when he gets a moment to breathe, it's about 2 in the afternoon. He hasn't eaten yet. He's getting really hangry. He's already anticipating the next group of, you know, pro-strongmen thugs he's going to run into are going to get it worse than the rest unless he can get a sandwich. When uh, he has a moment to sort of check in with the wider world, he's roughly equidistant in narrative terms if not in you know diegetic physical terms he's somewhere between roland's office and bianca's apartment so you tell me if he would rather hear an update on the unfolding situation from roland or from bianca and you can sort of start off the encounter however you like and i'll pick it up from there
1: Morgan's kind of torn between this decision, but he is going to go and uh, see Roland real quick. He knows that Bianca is a, uh, you know, competent woman that does not need him. But if he if he kind of gets a, a a gut feeling and intuition to go check on her, he will. But he kind of he wants to see what Roland uh, has on the the technocrats as to what they're doing so he's gonna rush that way and you know he wants to have a just a quick conversation he, he'll probably just come straight in through the window unless he looks in and there's somebody in there uh... then he will I- impatiently wait outside but you know he'll just come in and you know a- ask for a a quick rundown on the on the situation to make sure that the technocrats aren't going to do something uh, stupid, along with all the uh, strongman supporters, and uh, are the are any of the technocrat supporters like counteracting what's going on, or um, uh, you know what I'm trying to say? Are, are they are they reacting or responding and? any particular fashion violence, or are they just kind of keeping their heads down and letting the, this other party go at it? And also, is the anti-meta-political uh, party uh, responding or have any particular leanings?
0: Morgan is not getting a danger vibe around v- Bianca, so there's no division in his interests there. He heads over to Roland's office, and the window is open. So apparently, he is expected. He hops in there, and Roland is sitting there with his shirt unbuttoned and a cig hanging out of his mouth. And he's just like, Mark, listen, it's uh, it's gonna get gross over there by the courthouse." Morgan's like, you know, you can stop using that voice. I know you don't really talk that way. And Roland gives him a confused look, which is staged and continues. He says, this is just the beginning. I'm telling you. You know, the uh, things I put in place there on the rooftops, my little uh, eyes in the sky, well saw a bunch more of those little fly-in things going up last night and this morning. TPP's putting a lot of hardware in the air. I don't think this business over at the courthouse is gonna make it any better. Gonna give them an excuse really. So he stands up, he starts buttoning up his shirt, puts his sig out in an old beer bottle. Actually, it looks like a beer bottle, but on closer examination, it's a bottle of like sarsaparilla or something. And he's like, I got another thing I have to look into, but you might want to get over there. I think, oh, hold on. He opens a drawer in his uh, desk and pulls out a little box pushes it over to Morgan and it's just like a plain brown paper, you know, cardboard box. And inside it is a little device that has uh, some dials, a small LCD display, and a clip, like an oversized hair clip, an like, It's a radio. You can adjust the... Station here, here's the volume, and this little gizmo tells you what the name of the station is. It's not much, but I figured you could use it. He shrugs. Like, eh, guy I took it off of, he won't be needing anything like that for 10 to 20. Anyway, he puts on an old fedora. It's like, I'd say, let me walk you to the door, but I know you don't have any use for that kind of thing. And he sort of makes an awkward squeak with his shoe on his way out, spoiling his big exit, but he leaves you with that. So, Morgan... I assume would test the radio just to see if it works finds that it does it comes up automatically tuned to WSBG and the breaking news is that in response to the swelling crowd of uh, protesters angry about the verdict in the case of the SYNC 7 the Stringersburg sept have arrived in front of the courthouse and their leader communique is addressing the crowd crowd. They go live to her talking and she's giving a sort of law and order rap. The main interesting thing about it is the big news there is basically that the SEPT have aligned themselves with the TPP and sort of validated or justified their, what communique calls their mandate uh, from the recent election be the government of the city, and uh, she's like, you know, the SEPT is here. We're in support of, of the government, and uh, we're not going to tolerate any nonsense here. So let me know what Morgan's next move is.
1: Sentinel heads over to—almost said City Hall—heads over to the courthouse with all due speed, and while he's heading that way, he's he's mulling something— over in his brain um depending on what the situation is when he gets there he may be making the dumbest decision of his life but he feels that it might be the best chance to diffuse everything uh random side thing uh and this could just be aesthetic and you can tell me which which way uh if yay or nay but when he puts in the the headpiece maybe the suit absorbs it I know that's not like a power that we said it had but um, I thought that could maybe be a small little aesthetic where he like clips it on and everything and the suit just like integrates it into itself so he's got the the radio feature like in his headset if not no big deal but yeah, he's going to um, head over that way as quickly as possible. Uh, if then if he gets there, and it looks like things are about to pop off, then he is going to observe from an elevated platform, but where he can quickly, you know, get to the crowd or or anything like that. If it seems like it's still kind of the same situation as he heard from the radio, which I guess he's he's tuning in the entire time to make sure that he's not completely blindsided when he gets there, but if communique or the sept are still spouting off, he wants to get to their position because he... He needs to have some words. If they try to stop him, he's you know he's gonna be non-confrontational. Uh, you know he'll have his hands up and be like uh, I'm 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 one of you guys. You probably haven't heard of me, but uh, you said some words. Uh, you know, uh, just just give me a minute. Um, If, by the time he gets there, violence has ensued, he is going to uh, take a beat to assess the situation equally without aiming towards any one particular group. Try to uh, not non non violently but non-lethally as possible break up the fighting do what he can for you know, knocking out without breaking anything Uh, so yeah, if the sep gives him room to speak ooh, okay uh If they don't give him room to speak he's going to slink back off but maybe find a bullhorn in one of the cops cars if things still haven't escalated and he'll get back up onto a raised platform with the bullhorn
0: morgan reaches down to clip the radio onto one of the shoulder flaps of his suit right near where the scarf billows out. And in fact, as soon as he does so, the scarf buckles, warps, and folds the little radio unit in. It's still bulging out a tiny bit, but it just looks like part of the suit's decoration. And he finds that he can hear the radio in a strange way, vibrating through the fibers of the suit's outer layer. Translation, yes, the radio's integrated into your suit now. No problem. Morgan heads across the rooftops toward the courthouse. And as he's going, WSBG The Berg has one of its earnest young reporters, Lupus Andretti, on site. He's giving the rundown of the situation. Morgan tunes in at a point where he's saying... Going now to the lawyer for the Sync 7, Giles Griles. Mr. Griles, can you give us your opinion on the verdict and uh, this counter demonstration that's come about as a result? And Griles says, Well,. Of course, Lupus, this is uh, completely ridiculous. My clients threw themselves on the mercy of the court, pleading guilty, even though the charges were outrageous. Uh, We're talking about an act of political speech here. We're talking about young men who were just expressing their uh, very healthy and uh, reasonable concerns about the bizarre manner in which the Technological Progress Party swept into county and citywide offices in such an unprecedented way and how that act was... uh well, disrupted, we could say, or violently dispersed by a masked vigilante. I don't use that word lightly, we have a number of very fine metahumans in Stringersburg, some of whom I would call heroes. This one I'm not so sure. We don't even know anything about this person's identity, so I just, you know, I would ask the community to look at that, the facts of the case, and make their own judgment about that, uh, lupus, uh, yeah. By the time Morgan gets to the square outside of the courthouse, the crowd has grown to hundreds. He can see the Sept standing pretty much on the steps of the courthouse, at the top of the steps right outside the door. They appear to be holding the crowd back. Around the periphery, he can hear young men shouting, Amidst the strongmen's slogans and general insults toward the city government and the TPP, he can hear young men saying, if we could just get in there, we need to see that judge. Let's get our hands on him. So it's obvious that the sept are actually protecting somebody from something. Standing by the sept, among or slightly behind their their little physical wall, the wall of their bodies, are the chief of police of the city and the sheriff of the county, both of whom are known to be strong supporters. The sheriff, in fact, a card-carrying member of the party elected as such, uh, while the chief of police is just sort of known to be sympathetic. Morgan's making his way closer to where they're standing. Communique is no longer addressing the crowd, but she's in a position to do so. She apparently was up until earlier. The WSBG reporter sounds like he's down below, going amongst the crowd. He sounds a little out of breath, frightened, not sure what's going to happen to him. There are police... Up on the courthouse steps and all around the perimeter of the square, they don't have their weapons out. Many of them seem to be conversing with the crowd as Morgan picks his way over toward what might be described as the heart of this uh, little standoff. As he gets over there, he can see some commotion. There's a little hurried conference among the Sept, and he can see a tall woman in a sort of scandalous version of a nun's outfit, a sort of greenish lizard-looking guy. Well, actually, I'm just going to go ahead and say that Morgan knows who the Sept are. So, um, scratch that. There's a bit of commotion around the entrance to the courthouse. He can see the Sept have a hurried little conference with each other. As they do that, the, okay, so sister catastrophe, uh, the gecko dude, the reptile man, salamander. Sister Catastrophe, Salamander, and Flea form a little defensive triangle around a tall, uh, bespectacled older man who's coming out. Morgan doesn't recognize him, but something tells him that this is the judge because as soon as that little formation starts to make its way out of the courthouse building, there is a surge of bodies toward them. Communique and Sanguine Warden and Duke Disastro step up in front of the little triangle surrounding the judge. Duke Disastro triggers some little device that makes a huge pyrotechnic display of some kind. Distracts the crowd for a moment, then Communique... Pulls up a, a very sophisticated, high-tech version of a bullhorn. It's actually a little platform. She stands on it, and you can see a sort of shimmer. Morgan can see a shimmer in the air as soon as her feet put pressure on this little plate. And uh, when she speaks through that shimmering field, her voice is magnified, amplified, and it just sort of booms out from there. She tells the crowd, If we can have your attention, please, Judge Hartshorn has some remarks that he'd like to make. I'm sure you all want to hear what he has to say, so please give him your attention. It takes a while for the roar of the crowd and their confused surges of action and then inaction to subside after a couple of minutes people sort of moving around shouting and then deciding better they do actually quiet down When the man begins to speak, Morgan remembers a little bit about him. His name is Winthrop Hartshorn. He's a a British exile. He's been in the U.S. and in Stringersburg for 40 of his 60-plus years. And he has a reputation for being a very traditional sort of judge. So when he clears his throat, It begins to speak in a sort of cultured British accent. It's exactly what he and many members of the crowd would have expected. Judge Harshorn says, In the matter of the so-called Sink Seven, I should like you all to know that my hands are effectively tied. I have been made well aware of what the city government wants in this case. And rather than further destabilize the situation by undermining that recently elected government, it was in the best interest of the court, the city, and everyone involved, that the defendants received the maximum sentence. He goes on, furthermore, it is the opinion of this court that our noble city, beleaguered by economic decline and the growth of the criminal element needs vigilantism of any sort like it needs a proverbial hole in the head. Any person, whether they be a mere human, in company with his fellows, expressing his views through violence, or if they be a mutant, psychic, or beneficiary of technological or chemical enhancement cannot take the law into his own hands. Those who attempt to do so must be brought to justice. That is all. And I thank you for coming here in the spirit of democracy to express your views. Good day. So at this point... Morgan sees his opening and makes for the platform. He's positioned himself such that at this moment he can, like, jump, flip, do a handstand or whatever and get right up near the crowd. Or not the crowd, sorry. He's positioned himself such that with an acrobatic maneuver, he can land right near the sept. When he does so, Sister Catastrophe, Flea, and Salamander assume that he's come for the judge and they react defensively. Duke Disastro whips around and attempts to blind him with powder or some sort of light held in his hand or something like that, but I'll just go ahead and say that it doesn't work and that Morgan gets a chance to speak. Like you told me, he sort of raises his hands, tells them he's not there to fight, that he has something to say. So whether or not the Sept will give you a chance to say what you want to say is gonna depend on a role. So I'd like you to do a diplomacy check of some kind because I do want to leave it up to chance in this case.